Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers, but then again, it may not at all. Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers. I'm Kieran and I'm joined by Maddie D. And he kissed his sister. That's right. And if you didn't want to know that, then you shouldn't be listening to the show because that is a spoiler. Uh, was that a spoiler or just a flashback to your last family reunion? <laughs> Anyways, so jokes aside. I will aside, not confirm or deny these facts. Jokes aside, what we do on this show is we look at all the promotional material for an upcoming Hollywood blockbuster and then we attempt to predict as much of that movie as humanly possible. And then when the movie comes out, we go back and look at how well we did. But we're doing neither of those things this no. week. Because you've joined us on another one of our special episodes. And just through the sheer roll of a die, just through the luck of the game, we've landed on doing a Star Wars reboot. The audience has been clamouring for this, right? Star Wars reboot? Absolutely not. I don't think anyone's (laughs) ever asked for a Star Wars reboot. In fact, I think it's a little bit of an oversight that we had Star Wars twice on the list. Because it was back in 2020, if you can cast your mind back that far, we actually already did a Star Wars special episode. Yes. We talked about doing a Star Wars spin-off, which at the time was very topical because there there were so many Star Wars spin-off movies and TV shows being announced. Now, how many of those have we seen realised? Maybe one or two. Mm -hmm. But again, it's sort of come around to being topical again when we do this episode because we are right in the middle of Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series hype. So, the show's just about to come out in about two months from the time of this recording, and everyone's all talking about it, everyone's excited for it, everyone's hyped, the trailer's come out, Mm -hmm. all fan theories are going berserk, and everyone has, like, their two cents on what they think is going to happen and what they want to see from it. Yeah. So, I guess, yeah, it's serendipitous. What a good time. What a good time to be talking Star Wars again. We are so topical on this show, and don't forget Book of Boba Fett, we've just left the Book of Boba Fett world. That's right, so, it feels like we've had no breathing room between the last (laughs) Star Wars thing we got to the next one. Mm. It's a treat for all Star Wars fans to have this much content because you usually have to wait years between movies yeah. or decades even. And now we're just getting all this stuff all at once. So. It's uh, very overwhelming. Yeah. It feels like. Yeah. I- I've got to say, after doing this deep dive for this specific episode, I'm starting to feel a little bit of uh, Star Wars fatigue. Might have to take a bit of a break for a month or so because I actually watched episode four, A New Hope, yesterday in preparation for this episode. I- oh, very nice. I hadn't actually watched it in a, in a year or two. So I was just like, oh, I need to catch up and you know pick up little nuances because we are it is a reboot. The, yeah, we are taking the concept of Star Wars, and so my whole without spoiling anything from my plot, my whole thing is like I want to look at where we started and see how we could completely you know do that again. Yeah, because can you explain, Maddie D, what the difference between a remake and a reboot is to anybody that may not be familiar? I think it's a very fine line between the two, but essentially a reboot. For me, I think a reboot is where we keep aspects of the story still the same, mm-hmm. keep the world in a very general sense and the characters in a very general sense, although you can take creative liberties with that, keep that the same, but do something stylistically completely different or That's take right. the story in a completely different direction. And a remake, would you say it's like you're taking the same concept and then just updating it? Yeah. So, I guess the example is the Dark Knight is an example, or the Dark Knight series is a good example of a reboot. That's right. Whereas- um, And then you've got the Batman that just came out. So, that's that's another reboot. Reboot of that, you know, another franchise being rebooted there. Or my examples were the James Bond- Footloose is a remake. Yeah, exactly. So, the Footloose remake- the Pet Cemetery remake, it's the same concept and they're doing a lot of the same things. They use a lot of the same elements where in a reboot, they you want to start fresh. You don't want to sort of harken back to anything that's been done before mm-hmm. beyond like the initial concept. So like I just mentioned, the James Bond, Daniel Craig series was very much a reboot from the, the classic James Bond series and the Star Trek reboot movies yes. as well. They took the same characters, the same concepts and very much, you know, had a fresh approach to that. 
So I guess that's sort of how we've got to approach our our own Star Wars reboot here. So just like we did with Jurassic Park in the past, we can't really go back to any of the same actors. We can't go back to having like John Williams doing the score and no. having any of the real sort of like iconic imagery from Star Wars beyond perhaps, you know, lightsabers, Jedi. Yeah, our Star Wars movie needs to stand out. That's stand right. on its own two feet. That's right. So we can't really, which is, I guess, really where the challenging part came in for me, at least. We yes. can't use anything that anybody knows about. So we're taking this pre-established galaxy with decades and decades worth of lore here and throwing it all out the window. We're going back to square one. We're taking the core elements of the story and then coming up with a whole fresh idea. That's a challenge. It is. It certainly is a challenge because you think about all the imagery of Star Wars. It's so hard not to lean back on that because yeah. it is so iconic. The only way that I could really wrap my head around doing something different was just to completely change the tone of the movie and the style of the movie and take and do something that, you know, you would never, ever see in an actual Star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. uh, what was your process, Matty D? Uh, my process was I decided to go in a stylistically different direction. Now, my plot, you could argue, is a remake. <laughs> we'll see, but- Mine is technically a remake as well, but, you know, very much takes place in a different universe. What I thought is, I thought, how I approached it was Star Wars had a certain style, and I was going to yeah. just change the style up and see where- Yeah, that's we what I did too. Yeah, wouldn't it be hilarious if we both had the same core concept? We could. We could. I'm actually leaning a little bit on something we've done in the past as well. We'll explore it Ooh. once I start talking about my plot. But really? yeah, should we should we actually start talking about our plots right now? Yeah. Uh, which one of us is going to go first? This we haven't is actually the challenging decided. Challenging part. Which who who would? Uh, I suppose I could go first. Yeah, okay. Just because I kind of want to get it out of the okay, way. Because yeah, yeah, I'm it. not feeling a hundred percent behind the work that I've done. <laughs> Usually I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good idea or it's like a pretty solid concept. But I'm like, I'm not sure about this one. Not you, sure about this one. Are you going to make uh, David Lynch the director? Yes. Hey, <laughs> finally, he's there. So this is something we talked about with our Star Wars spinoff episode. You wanted to have David Lynch finally working on a Star Wars movie. Which as, he was supposed to. As George Lucas originally intended with episode six. What was it? Uh, Return of the Jedi. He wanted David Lynch to bring his style of filmmaking, you know, what he did with The Elephant Man, essentially, probably less so a razor head, but like what he did with The Elephant Man, he wanted, you know, he saw a lot of potential in David Lynch and wanted him to bring that to Star Wars. But David Lynch, you know, it was too weird for him. He wasn't having any of that. That was too weird for him. And he didn't want to be restricted creatively. So he just, he passed up on it, passed on potentially millions of dollars and a completely different career path for him just to pursue his own, you know, interests. Yeah, he made June instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which he didn't like either. <laughs> but that was very much a David Lynch piece. And I actually watched that as well to try and get a lot of inspiration for my Aww. Star Wars movie. So my Star Wars movie is literally just called Star Wars because, you know, starting back again at ground zero. Of course. There's no episode title. It's literally just Star Wars. I love it. That as makes it sense. was back in 1978. Before we had episode four, A New Hope, which I think they brought in in 97. But yeah, we're starting with a fresh slate. It's as though George Lucas, you know, developed these characters and concepts, but didn't have the money to create the movie. So he went to David Lynch and said, oh, look, I've got this concept for a movie. You know, you can take it. You can change anything you like and just make the movie that you want to make. And David Lynch is just like, hmm. I think I could do that. <laughs> so, of course, for the soundtrack as well, which is something that's very different for Star Wars, I've got in Angelo Badalamenti to do the soundtrack. So, he's going to bring a real, like, jazzy, synthy sound to it. So, he did the soundtrack to Twin Peaks. And he also. I am loving this already. I'm loving this already. He did the soundtrack to Lost Highway as well. He did yep. a whole bunch of David Lynch movies. So, yeah. Can you imagine sort of like a Blade Runner esque soundtrack to the. <laughs> He's glancing nervously at his notes. <laughs> yes, I can imagine Have that. You got uh, Vangelis doing your Star Wars. Uh... <laughs> Soundtrack. 
So it's sort of like the opposite direction of what George Lucas wanted from the soundtrack. So he very much wanted to hearken back to the melodic scores of the 1920s and 30s, or even earlier than that. So film in the 70s was really moving away from classic scores. They'd been doing synthesizers and sort of like folky sort of music for years now. And so it wasn't until Star Wars that we sort of had a a return to the symphonic scores. So I'm doing the complete opposite of that. I'm going to go synthesizers. I'm going to go jazz. Everything that they didn't want from the movie. But I think it could work. Could work. I think it would really be suitable for this this universe. Yeah. So in the movie Star Crash, they actually got John Barry in to do like a a John Williams ripoff score. So I'm sort of picturing something along the lines of that, but way more sort of electronic. And what I'm, you would expect. I'm loving this so far. From a David Lynch 70s sci-fi movie, even though we're making it now. It's a current day movie, don't forget. But it's going to harken back in a lot of elements to old school sort of David Lynch, to old school 70s sci-fi. Uh-huh. That's my inspiration. Yeah. So enough, enough of this nonsense. My concept is better than my execution. <laughs> Let me get into what's going on in the plot. So the movie opens with a long shot of the cold void of space and we hear no sound for a few beats with the exception of an unsettling hum. So just a, like a, a rumbling. This is so Lynch. A narrator explains that the galaxy is in a dark place where the evil galactic empire rules with an iron fist, wiping out all those who don't fit in with their new order. The narrator then explains that there is still hope, you know, a new hope maybe, <laughs> as a small group of rebel fighters led by Lord Bail Organa are working to overthrow the empire and restore peace to the galaxy. Sounding familiar so far? I love that you have cast a narrator. Rather than having the text scroll, I think that's that's very bold. Can't do anything that's been done before. So no Star Wars logos with the music, no text crawl, not doing any of that. So we've got like the vacuum of space with a narrator over the top, sort of deep booming vocals. I haven't cast anybody. It's going to be a wonderful voice actor. Who would be the narrator? No, no one specific. Uh, Let's just get Ian McShane to do it. Why not? Oh, yeah. Idris Elba, make him the narrator. Okay, Idris Elba. Why not? Why not indeed? (laughs) We then find a ship speeding through space, and this slick, glossy ship is the Tantive Four, which is the personal cruiser of the Organa royal family. On board, we meet Lord Organa, this is Bail Organa, of course, mm-hmm. played by John Goodman. He doesn't have to be fat in this movie, he can be his regular self. <laughs> Thank you. That's he, very nice John of Goodman has to be in all of my special episodes. And his daughter, Leia, who is played by Jenna Ortega, who, of course, we saw recently in Scream. She was the younger sister. Uh, I can't remember her character's name at this stage. Right. But I also saw her recently in another movie called The Babysitter 2, which I didn't mind her in that. The Babysitter, the first one, is really good. Yeah. The sequel isn't as good, but it's still enjoyable. Oh, okay. It's got all the same cast in it. Sick. Even though all the people who died in the previous movie, they get resurrected. <laughs> really? As, like, demons. That's awesome. And, yeah, the lead character who helps out, like, the teen from the first movie is General Ortega. And, like I said, I liked her in that movie. So, I'm bringing her in here to be Princess Leia. Yeah. Our new Leia. Sort of like a younger... She's 19, so she's sort of like a younger look than we had for Princess Leia in the past. Well, you're going to reboot the franchise, right? So, you've got to have a young cast because they're going to be of course. working for years. They're going to be in the sequels. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, Leia is wondering why Lord Organa looks so agitated, but he just tells her that everything will be all right. And comforts her. Suddenly, a man appears on the ship's telescreen and warns Lord Organa that the Empire knows about his plan. Lord Organa begins to sweat, and right on cue, a giant, oppressively square spaceship appears in front of their <laughs> square own. Square because it's not a triangle? <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, I imagine, like, this huge block 
It's like a completely oppressive block. It's sort of like mm. a uh, it's sort of like the Death Star, but like a big square. You know what I mean? Like and those spaceships spaceship. in God, I'm blanking on that. Hitchhiker's Guide to the yes! Galaxy. Yes, yeah, like that, but more square than rectangle. Because in the what was it? The Vogon spaceships were were huge rectangles. I kind of like that design, but yes, yeah, similar to that. I like that. You know where I'm going with this? So a red tractor beam shoots out of the giant cube and draws the Tanti four through a small opening that appears on the face of the ship. The lights go off in the Tanti 4, and in the dark, Leia begins to panic. We hear sounds of electronic drilling from outside the ship, and suddenly a troop of death troopers, so I'm using death troopers instead of storm troopers, uh-huh. because I like the death troopers from Rogue One and the Mandalorian, so... And what's the difference between the death troopers and the storm troopers? So, in the classic Star Wars trilogy, as not classic trilogy, I mean like the Star Wars franchise as we know it, Death troopers are like black clad stormtroopers okay, who cool. use like a code when they speak to each other. So they don't speak, you know, English or galactic standard to each other. <laughs> they use a code and they're like an elite squad of like highly trained military stormtroopers. Cool. Love just it. Just called death troopers. So there's actually also a comic where there's zombie stormtroopers called death troopers, but that's completely unrelated. They're essentially stormtroopers, but they wear black and I'm calling them death troopers because that sounds better than stormtroopers. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. So they burst into the ship, killing everyone in sight. Lord Organa and Leia are captured by the Death Troopers, who stun them with some kind of taser beam, and the two are dragged off their ship. The Death Troopers bring the two Organas to their commander, Grand Moff Tarkin, played here by Willem Dafoe. That is perfect casting. Absolutely. I was so happy with that. What's funny is I originally had Benedict Cumberbatch, but I was like, no, backspace, 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 backspace. Willem Dafoe. Wait till you see who I cast as that character. Oh, wow. I'm excited now. So, Tarkin grins and tells... Can you imagine, like, the Willem Dafoe grin? Like, he's <laughs> right. Green Goblin or something. He tells Lord Organa that he knows all about his plans against the Empire, but Lord Organa simply claims that they're travelling on a diplomatic mission. But this causes Tarkin to start laughing. <laughs> and with glee, he says, I love it when they make it hard for me. And the two Organas are dragged away. We now cut to the nearby planet of Tatooine, which is a bright red desert planet covered with giant industrial structures that spew out thick clouds of black smoke. The smoke causes the sky to remain forever black, giving the planet a permanent hellish night. Mmm, nice. So very, very, like, I'm getting, like, Pink Floyd vibes. I'm getting, like, yeah, uh, a razor head. Yes, a razor head. It's just, like, everything's all industrial. And so the soil is bright red, sort of like, um, I don't know, like a, a rich cherry red. And so, because of the, you know, the forever night sky, it sort of has this very sort of hellish landscape to it where the ground's almost glowing like lava, if you can imagine that. That's awesome. Lynch would be all over that. So, here we meet our hero, Luke Skywalker, played by, of course, Finn Wolfhart, because he has to be in all of our plots as well. He's just generic young guy. Yeah. And I think he would make, like, he sort of, like, has that Timothy Chalamet image from Dune as well. And I didn't want to specifically cast Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet whatever his name is, Mm -hmm. here. So, next best thing is Finn Wolfhard. So, he lives in a city slum with his aunt Beru and uncle Owen. So, Luke is hiding in a closet. Is he now? Yes. Watching his aunt and uncle scream at each other. Uncle Owen is in the middle of throwing his dinner at aunt Beru (laughs) while she just wails and cries, calling Owen every name under the sun. So, it's a very different Owen and Beru from what we've had in the past. This is a very, very big Lynch trope, right? Where the character is hiding in a closet looking out. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Like a pervert. Yes. So finally, Baru locks herself in the bedroom and Owen gets tired of pounding on the door. So he pours himself a stiff drink and passes out on the couch. Luke comes quietly out of the cupboard. I almost said closet there, but you know, different <laughs> kind yet. of movie. Maybe later on. And gently knocks on the bedroom door, asking if Baru is all right. There's no answer. So Luke goes outside to look in through the window where he sees that Baru is taking some kind of illicit drug, 
which causes her to spasm wildly and foam at the mouth. Oh, my God, of course. Luke doesn't seem concerned at all by this and just wanders off down the street. <laughs> so this is something that happens to him all the time. So see, oh, she's taking that spice again. <laughs> and she, you know, she's vomiting and, and flailing around. She's, you know, it's just a reaction of the drugs. So back on Moff Tarkin's starship, we see Leia roughly dragged by two death troopers into a room with a large silver table. Tarkin sits by himself at the head of the table and asks Leia to join him. Leia hesitantly sits down and Tarkin stands up to pour her a drink. Tarkin is all slimy smiles and apologises to Leia for the way she's been treated. He calmly asks her if she knows anything about her father's plans, but Leia doesn't seem to know anything. Mm. In, in a genuine way as well, she hasn't been filled in, just to keep her safe. Tarkin's smile doesn't break, and he runs his finger up her neck, telling her that he can be very nice if she's nice to him. <laughs> I took this a little bit straight from uh, Wild at Heart. Yeah. Not quite the same. If you've seen the same scene in Wild at Heart, you'll know that this is a little bit tamer. Right. But Leia is disgusted by this and jerks away from his touch. Tarkin, still smiling, pulls a small remote out of his pocket and hits a button. A wall panel slides open behind them, revealing Bail Organa strapped to a chair. To Leia's horror, we see that Lord Organa's brain is exposed, and a robot is in the process of jamming probes into his oh brain. Oh my god! Getting a little bit darker here than regular Star Wars. Organa's eyes are rolled up into the back of his head and he drools uncontrollably on himself. Betty <laughs> D's like too shocked to even read this. That's crazy. Again, very Lynch. Leia is at first too shocked to speak, like Matty D was just then, and manages to ask Tarkin what he's done to her father. What have you done? Tarkin just chuckles and replies, The hard way is always more fun. The robot presses some buttons on a nearby panel, and a loud electric hum fills the air. Organa starts to tremble violently and mumbles a single word over and over again. Skywalker. Skywalker. Sorry, it's John Goodwin. Skywalker. Oh, that's right. John Goodwin is this character. We cut to a dark room inside the same spaceship, where Tarkin enters and immediately bows deeply. My lord, uh, my lord, <laughs> I believe we have found the location of Skywalker. The camera pans around to reveal a twisted and deformed man, so he's just a head and a torso essentially, right. kept alive by an elaborate collection of tubes and machinery. Oh. A booming voice fills the room as the deformed man speaks telepathically. Good. Bring me Skywalker. So and I want him alive. So is he like, is he stationary? Or yes, he's fi- stationary. Okay. So he's fixed in by machinery. Right. And he's got wires and all this stuff coming out. And tubes, out of- yeah. And he's all just kept alive by like really elaborate machinery, which sort of is like part of the ship as well. Ah, cool. And he speaks telepathically, as I said. So dramatic music kicks in. It's not John Williams music. So please don't imagine John Williams music here like I was when I was writing it. And we see several squads of death troopers load up into transport ships. From outside the giant square ship, we see these smaller transport ships shoot out from a portal on the side and make their way down to the nearby planet of Tatooine. We now return to Luke, who wanders the streets of Mos Espa. So it's, it's got the same name, but it's completely different. It's, com- yep. it's a huge, dark, oppressive industrial city. Luke's attention is drawn to a mysterious woman, played by Monica Bellucci, who emerges from a dark alleyway, wrapped in a loose-fitting red garment. The woman beckons to Luke before disappearing back into the dark alley. Luke follows her into the darkness, following the echoing sound of her high heels. Suddenly, the sound disappears, and Luke calls out to the woman. In a flash, he's surrounded by a group of tough cyborg men, who immediately start punching him. Luke cowers on the ground as the cyborgs continue to wail on him, but they're interrupted by a bright blue light that lights up the alleyway. So these cyborg men, um, describe them, are they like they human with like little features on them? Yeah, or? that's right, essentially. Okay. And they're just thugs. They're just thugs. They're okay. just criminals. Uh, there's no real reason for them to be cyborgs beyond it's futuristic, <laughs> I suppose. 
So the light is coming, so the blue light that lights up the alleyway is coming from a blue lightsaber, and he's being carried by a man in a grey cloak. A grey cloak, you say? Yes. Not a brown cloak? No, it's a reboot. Why would I do anything the same? (laughs) Without a word, the man- Well, the lightsaber's exactly the same, (laughs) isn't it? Its design is more sword-like, let's just say that. It's more of a samurai sword. Yeah. Like like originally- Yeah, absolutely. So without a word, the man slices up the cyborgs and reaches out a hand to Luke. But Luke freaks out. And scrambles away screaming. I'm really curious who you cast as Obi-Wan. Mmm. Well, you'll find out in a sec. Luke runs through the streets back to his home, but he's shocked to see that it's on fire. A squad of death troopers are lingering around the burning house, violently dragging neighbours and other witnesses out of their homes for questioning. Luke turns to run away and finds that the cloaked man is standing behind him. The man says, Luke, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to protect you. Retreating into a nearby house, the cloaked man is revealed to be Obi-Wan Kenobi, played by Kyle MacLachlan. Okay. So, Kyle McLaughlin, he was uh, Agent Cooper from Twin Peaks. He was recently in that Al Capone movie. Of well, course. Of course. He was also he's in- He's also David Lynch's. He was also in June. Desperate Housewives. Yes, well. he was too. But yeah, he was the main character. He was- Oh, what was the main character in June's in June. name? Yeah. I can't remember the character's name. It was like he had like a regular name, like David or something like that. Or probably wasn't David. Oh. David Lynch. Yeah. <laughs> he, he really likes this actor. He casts Yeah, of course. That's why he's here. So, Obi-Wan explains to Luke that before the Empire, the galaxy was ruled by the kindly Emperor Yoda, alongside his trusty Council of Jedi Knights. So, it's more of like a, a Knights of the Round Table arrangement rather than, you know, what was going on in the other like Star Like this Wars. council that worked alongside the government. Of course. That's right. So, both he and Luke's father were Jedi Knights until a civil war caused Emperor Yoda to be overthrown by one of his advisors, Palpatine. And it's the only time I mentioned Palpatine in the entire plot. Luke's father, was, <laughs> Luke's father was destroyed by an evil Jedi called Lord Vader, who then hunted down and killed the remaining Jedi Knights at the orders of the new Emperor. Who may or may not be someone's father. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll get into that Well, you end. might go in a different direction. Of course. So, Obi-Wan promised Luke's mother that he would protect her child and took Luke into hiding to live with his estranged aunt and uncle. Luke asks Obi-Wan why he let his uncle abuse him and his aunt for all these years, and Obi-Wan says, The galaxy is a cruel place, <laughs> and you need to learn that firsthand. Oh. Doesn't really seem worth it. (laughs) Obi-Wan then explains that only one other person knew where he and Luke were hiding, and that was his good friend, Bail Organa. So if the Empire has managed to locate them, that means that something has happened to Organa, and his daughter Leia would be in danger too. Good assumption, since they are in danger. (laughs) Obi-Wan tells Luke that he must start his training as a Jedi Knight and help him rescue Leia from Lord Vader. Obi-Wan gives Luke his father's old lightsaber, and Luke reluctantly agrees to join. You following me so far? I am, yeah. This is really good, by the way. I'm enjoying this. So far, it's really good. Just wait until you see where it goes. So, Luke and Obi-Wan meet up with a grizzled smuggler in a futuristic-looking 50s diner. Played by Maddie D. The smuggler introduces himself as Han Solo, and he's played by Maddie D. No, <laughs> he's played by Tom Hardy, because I couldn't think of anybody that else. That is a really good casting, I yeah. think. I wanted someone a little bit more grizzled than the Han Solo we know. So, Han boasts about having an untraceable stealth ship that's perfect for avoiding the Empire as he transports drugs from planet to planet. Obi-Wan explains that they'll need to have him sneak them aboard an Imperial starship, and Solo laughs off the idea as nearly impossible. Obi-Wan explains that the person they're attempting to rescue is royalty, and Han will be well rewarded for his efforts. Han's greed gets the better of him, and he declares, fuck it, grabs up his keys (laughs) from the ship, and he grabs up his keys for his ship from the table. Car keys for the space. (laughs) Absolutely. It's got like a little little ornament on it. Using Han's stealth ship, our heroes manage to fly to the Imperial ship undetected, 
Mm, that was easy. And enter the ship through a portal that ejects garbage. Is there a Chewbacca here? No, there isn't. <gasps> so if you haven't noticed, I haven't used any sort of aliens yeah, or weird creatures at all. So that whole element of Star Wars, it does not exist in my version. Okay. So it's very much like human grounded. So there's the occasional robot, as you would expect in most But sci-fi. more machines than droids. But yeah, more machines than droids. That's right. And so, yeah, it's all humans. There's no sort of like, there's not a lot of fantasy element to my Star Wars. So, there's no sort of Star Wars cantina with all the aliens bouncing around to boppy music. It's just, it's like futuristic Earth, more or less. So, we're in the ship now, the the Imperial ship, that is. Obi-Wan explains that Lord Vader will surely sense Luke's presence on board, and Obi-Wan plans to distract the Imperial soldiers while Luke and Han find and rescue Leia from the detention block. So, Obi-Wan activates his lightsaber and charges down a hallway, while Luke and Han sneak off in the opposite direction. As Han and Luke make their way stealthily through the ventilation system, Obi-Wan enters a room full of death troopers. The death troopers all open fire on Obi-Wan with their lasers, but Obi-Wan is able to skillfully deflect their laser bolts with his lightsaber. Again, standard within Star Wars, except we didn't see that in the original the movie. Ho- no, not at all. So I'm sort of bringing that across from the other movies. What a, you know, cheating here. <laughs> what a cheater I am. They would totally do that in a reboot, though. Yeah, I suppose so. The Jedi Knight slips around the room in super speed, slicing up Death Troopers as he goes. So, if you imagine he's running around like Speedy Gonzalez. Very much the opposite to how he was in Absolutely. the original movie. Slow and stiff. Yes. And doing pointless spins. Then, using his Jedi powers, he causes several of their heads to pop like a pimple, simply by clenching his fist. Can you imagine that? That is so just like cool. His, that <laughs> is just so <laughs> cool. If only Jedis were doing that in the actual movies. Yeah, they have the power to do that. Why yeah. wouldn't they? Because it's a kid's series. You're never going to see anything that violent. We cut to Moff Tarkin, who we find fully nude, threatening a cowering Leia with a space cattle prod. Why is he nude? Yeah, it's his thing. <laughs> it's his thing. Red lights begin to flash and alarms ring out, causing Tarkin to drop the cattle prod and scramble for his clothes. Tarkin enters Lord Vader's chamber while still buckling up his belt. <laughs> We're being attacked by Jedi, my lord. What's our plan of attack? Vader's voice booms around the room. It's Kenobi. Leave him to me. We hear whirls of machinery and clanking of gears as the remains of Lord Vader's body are slowly encased in a black robotic armor. The giant hulking robot steps forward with heavy deliberate movements and produces two red bladed lightsabers. Cool. So my design for Darth Vader is completely different from how it is in the movie. It's basically like what's left of this man is encased into like a big mech machine. Yes. That itself carries like lightsabers. So I'm seeing this presentation as being more menacing, more bulky. Yeah, that's right. More like hard. Exactly. Like it's like an eight foot tall yeah, exactly. kind of suit of armor almost. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. They're well Maybe done. some spikes on there too. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> so you're painting a better picture than I am. So Luke and Han managed to find Leia and the three must fight their way back to the ship as chaos unfolds around them. Meanwhile, Obi-Wan seems to be taking some kind of twisted delight in killing the Death Troopers with his (laughs) Jedi powers. Just as he's decapitating the last of the Imperial forces, he hears heavy footsteps approaching from down the hall. So like... Like Robocop's coming. That's badass. Your your Darth Vader's like the mountain. I know you haven't seen Game of Thrones, Mm. but that's what it's reminding me of. Mm, There you go. Obi-Wan turns to look at Lord Vader as he approaches, and a smile crosses his face. Well... If it isn't my old apprentice, Vader says, when you last saw me, I was but an apprentice. Now I am the master. (laughs) I took all of my strength not to write, only a master of evil, Darth. Which is my favourite line in that whole movie. He calls him Darth. He calls him Darth. Like that's his first name. (laughs) (laughs) Only a master of evil, Darth. (laughs) 
Oh, that always makes me. Did we know? Did we know in the first movie that that wasn't his first name? That wasn't established, right? No, it wasn't. Yeah. So Darth is very much, as we know from the other Star Wars movies, that's a title. It's like Lord or Emperor, basically, but just when referring to Sith. (laughs) The fact that Obi Wan just refers to him as Darth just makes it sound like, you know, first name Darth, last name Vader. There's too much for me. So the two begin an epic lightsaber duel. And Vader's robotic armor is surprisingly nimble, given its appearance. So it looks like it would be super slow, just given how big and heavy and bulky it is, but it can actually move around super fast. Right. Also, by the way, have you noticed the Force doesn't really exist in uh, my plot? So what do I've you mentioned, mean? I've, I've mentioned Jedi powers, but there's no sort of religion around the Force. Oh, because I was going to say, he's popping heads with yeah, the that's Force. Right. But what you're saying is, it's not a religious thing, it's a superpower? Yeah, essentially. Essentially. Is I didn't s- really explore it that much, but I never refer to the Force by name throughout this entire But only plot. certain people can wield this power. Correct, correct. So, in my mind, I never really explore this either. It's very much a lineage thing, so it's okay. sort of passed down generationally. It's not something that can be taught to anybody. Okay. Well, that's what the Force is, right? You have to have mita- midichlorians. Yeah, that's a retcon that a lot of people don't like, because the insinuation was from the original trilogy is that if you believe in the Force, anyone can have Force powers. Okay. But then they sort of retcon that. George Lucas sort of retcon that to be like, oh, you've got to have midichlorians above a certain level to be able to use Force powers. So not everyone can be a Jedi. But then again, they sort of retcon that again in the sequel trilogy when they said, oh, anybody can be a Jedi yeah. again. So they just ignore the whole midichlorians thing. And they just- rewrite their own rules all the time. Exactly. So it's very inconsistent. That's always been my problem with a lot of these movies. Inconsistency. Back to your plot. Back to my plot, which is less inconsistent, but not by much. So Obi-Wan is no match for the powerful man machine, and Vader has him dead to rights, which is our favourite thing to say on this show. But as Vader raises an arm to strike down the old master, his robotic limb is sliced off by Luke, who flies in, lightsaber in hand. While Vader is disarmed, Obi-Wan uses his powers to knock the giant robot across the room, and Obi-Wan orders Luke to flee with the princess as he wants to stay behind and finish what he started. While running back to Han's ship, you can tell at this point that I was just running out of ideas I wanted to get it over with. <laughs> while running back to Han's ship, Luke is confronted by Moff Tarkin, who holds him at laser point while cackling evilly. And he's still naked. <laughs> if you want him to be, he can be. Luke raises his lightsaber in defense, but suddenly Tarkin's head explodes in a fiery burst. Leia steps out from behind a pillar and spits on Tarkin's corpse and demands that Luke follows her back to Han's ship. So she gets her revenge for what happened to her father. Nice. Is the father still alive? Who knows? Didn't Who think about cares? it. <laughs> After Han, let's just presume that that operation that, the, that they did on him killed him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Would you want him to be alive after that? No, but I'm sure Lynch would do it. He'd be like having him around for the rest of the movies, just in their adventures, just drooling on himself, catatonic. For a second there, I thought you were going to say that he was going to be turned into Darth Vader. Oh, that would be cool. That would be a better idea than what I actually did. But anyway, so after Han, Luke and Leia have safely taken off in their ship, Obi-Wan concentrates all of his energy into himself and explodes in a dazzling display of lights and colours. Love that. Completely evaporating the Imperial ship. (laughs) Nice. So he blows up like Vegeta. (laughs) Nice, nice, nice. The person that had a problem with Palpatine taking down all the ships is going to have a Jedi explode the entire space station? Yeah, that's right. Well, it's not a space station, it's just a spaceship. Okay. So back on Han's ship, Bathed in the glow of the explosion, Luke, Leia, and Han have a graphic sex scene because, after all, this is a David Lynch movie. <laughs> he can't do anything without having boobs in it. I love that you made David Lynch the director here. This is a, yes. this is amazing. We jump forward a few months, where a now visibly pregnant Leia awards Han and Luke medals for bravery <laughs> in an elaborate ceremony. Right. And that is the end of my plot. Clap, 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 so, clap, clap, clap. Just a few more details that I didn't really cover here. My thought as well is if we were to do a sequel for this, I'm never going to sit down and write the sequel. No. But just to explore oh, you it. Might. Just to explore it because it is a reboot after all. If that movie was a success, if people actually liked it, 
uh, what I would do is I would actually make it that Obi-Wan was Luke's father Ooh. the whole time. And so what happened was that he had an affair with uh, Anakin's wife. Oh, so okay. So Anakin's daughter is Leia and Luke is Obi-Wan's son. So they have the same mother, but they have different fathers. Okay. So they can sleep together and it's not weird. I like it. It makes they're sense. still brother and sister. It makes sense why Obi. So I wouldn't sleep with my uh, anyway. Wait, wait, wait. But they're not related. They have the same mother. Oh yeah, sorry. You're right. <laughs> it is still gross. Uh, but it makes sense that Obi Wan is watching over Luke. Exactly. So he's, it's his, his child. And then Padme, let's call her, was killed, mm. presumably by evil Anakin. Right. And he took. Leia to be protected by Bail Organa, which is, of mm-hmm. course, what happened traditionally in Star yep. Wars. And then he took his own son, Luke, into hiding with him on Tatooine. Why he didn't raise him as his own child? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe just to keep him safer so they, the Empire wouldn't find him. Because the whole thing is the Empire is trying to find Luke and Bail Organa is trying to find Luke as well to, I don't know, and, and presumably Obi-Wan as well. Didn't think this far into it. <laughs> to help them out with their rebel alliance. Right. Which didn't right. really play into this this plot too much. Right. But anyway. Can I say, I really enjoyed that. I'm I don't glad know, you did. I don't know how, you know, the box office would handle that idea. I don't know how the angry Star Wars fan base would handle that idea. But I actually really enjoyed that. I thought you painted a really, really nice picture there. I think it oh, might be you. one of your... Like I said, I wasn't too happy with it. Like, I didn't have a lot of fun with it. But I just sort of ran with the whole David Lynch aspect. But it, it kind of works. Oh, well, very kind of you to say. I'm very excited to find out what I- you have now, though. <clears throat> So, I'm going to go into my Star Wars plot, and I'm going to give you the title first. It's going to be called Star Wars, A New New Hope. (laughs) Okay. So, you're already going to stuff that's been done before in Star Wars, because A New Hope is very much a part of the established previous universe. I guess so, but you know. But it's your plot. Yeah. We call the new Batman movie the Batman, you know, so. Fair enough. Go back into that well. So, the direction of this movie will be a dark and gritty one. Because <laughs> I wish you did something different. That is what the box office wants. So yeah, of course. How am I seeing this? I'm seeing this as, um, you know, HR- uh, Puff and stuff? No, no, no. Is your power when things get rough? Uh, he's, the, he's the guy that did a lot of the- Oh, Giga. Giga, H- yes. HR Giga. So, alien style. Alien style stuff. Design of so stuff. So, I'm seeing that's kind of the design of this So, sort of like world. organic machinery. Mm, yeah. Very dark, very sort of- Alien-esque, Predator-esque. That's what I'm sort of seeing the visual. So, think his style meets Blade Runner. Yep. There you go. And for this, I'm going to, of course, pick the director, uh, Matt Reeves from Batman. From Batman. Did you know that Matt Reeves was originally the director of my Star Wars movie for this for this plot? So, originally, because I was just like, oh, if I'm going to do Dark and Gritty, who's just recently done a successful Dark and Gritty movie? Matt Reeves. So, I had him in there <laughs> and I'm like, what direction do I go in? Wait. Let me swap it out for David Lynch. <laughs> and then it writes itself after yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So well, lucky. Yeah, we would have both had Matt Reeves otherwise. Yeah, yeah. But I figure he's popular right now. He made yeah. a he made the darkest and grittiest Batman to date, apparently. Yeah, so we're going to put him here at the helms of this dark and gritty. Because, you know, Star Wars is very fun, very fantastical. And I yeah. think if they're going to make a reboot, same same with your angle as well, they'll do it in a darker direction. And that's of how course. they'll sell it. Because it's being so, made now. Now, another thing I'm going to say about my Star Wars movie is that we're going to change things up a little bit. Yeah. Because of the landscape. We don't want to tell the same old story, so we're gender flipping all the roles. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I actually like that a lot. Yep, yep. So, so the, the male characters will be played by female characters, 
and vice versa. And you know, we're going to populate the world Wait, a little bit isn't more. Isn't that sort of what they did with the sequel trilogy? Yeah, debatable. That, like, you could argue. Could argue, yeah. That was almost a reboot, though. A lot of people call them requels, as in, like, a remake sequel. Yeah. So it's a sequel, so it takes place, you know, in the pre established universe. But it's kind of a reboot. But it's as a well. loose remake of what's been done before. Yeah. It's a sequel, it's a reboot, it's a remake. Exactly. In a lot of so ways. So you could argue that Definitely. they have almost remade slash rebooted the Star Wars franchise already. Yeah. Not successfully, mind you. D- yeah, I definitely opinion, think you could argue that. But yeah, I didn't even really consider that until right now. Yeah. So you could almost say, back to your plot, that Ray is very much like a gender flipped Luke. Definitely. Definitely. And I don't know what you would say <laughs> um, Finn is. Uh, I guess he fits the Han Solo role. But But Poe Dameron also fits that role. In a, you know, sequel movies aside, there's not a lot of female characters, not a lot of strong female characters. Oh, well, uh, let's go. Okay. Leia is strong, but- You mentioned Alien, the Alien franchise. Yeah. And Blade Runner is a bad example. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, uh, what is it, Terminator as well. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, that's that's the sort of style, but my my movie as well will be a collaboration with the uh, Jim Henson company. <laughs> they did that in the original movies. Yeah. Uh, because all the aliens and droids will be played by Muppets. Oh, as in like from the Muppet show? From the Muppet show, yeah. Okay. All so, right. dark and gritty world. But we'll have Muppets. So it's like that special episode of the Muppets where they did the Star Wars crossover and like Miss Piggy was Princess Leia. <laughs> I've never seen that, so I don't know. Chewbacca comes in without his bandolier on, so he just looks like he's naked. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the angle I'm going at. All right. So here is my plot. We're going to open up with a childhood flashback. I'm oh, surprised you didn't have that of in course. your plot. Now this will play. Well, David Lynch doesn't do that. No, so. he doesn't. So I guess you can't really do it now. It'll take because he's not a lazy filmmaker. <laughs> He'll, it'll take place on Tatooine, or it'll just be a random desert planet. I didn't have didn't have the imagination to concoct something new. I just think it'll be just a random yeah. planet. Now it'll be nighttime because this movie is dark, mm. and a figure who will essentially be Qui Gon Jinn. Remember, we're gender flipping this, so it'll be played by Gal Gadot. Uh, will appear and enter a rundown shop. The Muppet, who is Crazy Harry, is one of those creepy Muppets, <laughs> will come along and appear and tell Qui-Gon Jinn to follow him to see the child he's speaking about. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to get. That's the scene we're going to get. And that, of course, is Anakin Skywalker, but we will not see Anakin Skywalker okay. yet. Now, we're going to flash to, quote-unquote, present day. Now, Wait, so who's the child in the flashback then? We don't see. Goes okay. to a dark room. But okay, we just hear a child's we, voice. We, as the audience, know what's happening. Okay, right? We know right. that Qui Gon is meeting Anakin Skywalker, and it sets the 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 table for yeah, okay. this series. Now, and it's a it's a girl, Anakin Skywalker, presumably. I'll get to who Anakin <laughs> okay, Skywalker is. Right. It's going to be a surprise. So Qui Gon uh will give Crazy Harry money and walk over to a dark corner of the room, and we won't see the figure. It'll be shrouded in darkness. But Qui Gon will say, "Who are you?" Flash forward in time now. Now, the camera is going to show a classic X-Wing flying, but once the camera kind of pans- So, is it just the exact same design? Yeah. Oh, it might be a little bit different. It's unimportant. But uh, when we zoom out, it's revealed that it's actually our hero flying a toy little Oh, I see. And our hero is Lucy Skywalker. Now, Lucy is going to be played by unknown... Yeah, that's, that's what Kieran I just looked up a picture of Crazy Harry. <laughs> he's he's Watto in my, in my plot. Okay. Um, 
He looks seedy enough, right? Google yeah. Crazy Harry people. Uh, I needed to I needed to flesh out Muppets because they, they come in all over the place in my plot. Now, Lucy's going to be played by unknown actor Zendaya. We don't really get to see her a lot. So unknown thought actor we Zendaya. Thought, yeah, have you, heard, have you seen her? She does a few things here and there. Yeah, um, she's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, I thought, you know, she's talented. You know, we don't get to see her in a lot of movies, so I thought I'd put her okay. in this Okay, all right. Fair enough. <laughs> so I'm going with you. <laughs> so she, unlike... The original movie is not in Tatooine, but in a planet that is essentially a huge junkyard. Okay. It's kind of similar to you. Now, so both like uh, Desponia. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Think of it like- The video game Desponia, that is. Absolutely. Just absolutely. to clear that just up. Just like, think of it like mounds of just trash everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. You know, or Wally, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Which, by the way, you said the exact same thing in your previous Star Wars <laughs> spin-off plot, because you said that starts on a trash planet, which is huge mounds of garbage. <laughs> Think Wally. That's exactly what you said. So I'm just taking that same planet from that previous class. <laughs> yep, it's it's back. It's back. It's returned. Now both Lucy's parents are dead. It's a dark movie, right? She's okay, she's yep. abandoned. And she'll essentially spend her days rummaging through scrap piles that the Empire ships dump on the planet. So like Ray, yes, yeah, exactly. Episode seven. All yes. right. But it's more dark and gritty. <laughs> and probably better. <laughs> exactly, of course. Of course. Now she's heading back to her house, which will be a shack. And she notices yeah, that she has toys of like stormtroopers and <laughs> well, you know, it's rebel just fighters, collections of stuff she's had. And she's as she's walking back home, she realizes that there's a garage sale happening. Oh yeah, <laughs> they have garages in yeah. the Star Wars universe. Well, it's kind of like a market, Kieran. Now, okay, Sand People and Tuscan Raiders are way too racist for this movie. I have no idea how they still get away with that in in sort of the sequels and in the TV shows. Because based on any specific, uh, race. you could argue that they very much are. But um, I decided to go that's, away from that's that. That's your interpretation. I decided to go away from that. For this movie, we're going to replace them with uh, neck bearded fedora wearing internet fans because so, okay. we're having a shot at the. Uh, so Star Wars shirts. Yeah, yeah. So so the reason I'm doing this is because if anybody has a problem with, you know, any of the Star Wars fans have a problem with my plot, I'll be like, you're just like those guys. And, you know, they'll be too scared to- Yeah, that's right. And you watch Rotten Tomatoes, just throw all the praise in my movie. Yeah, there you go. It's it's a strategy. Didn't work for the sequel trilogy, but still. (laughs) Now, they're selling a bunch of droids. Now, along these droids, they're selling- By the way, did you notice in my movie, I didn't even include C-3PO or R2-D2 again- Took out all of those elements. Yeah, he took out all those elements. But yeah, okay, so they're but, selling droids. Yes, Back to your plot. But, uh, but in my plot, the droids are here. Now, R2-D2 will be played by Fozzie Bear. And <laughs> waka, waka. C-3PO will be played by Kermit the Frog. Of course. I wouldn't cast anybody else. <laughs> now, I almost put Gonzo and the Rat in, but, uh, you know. Rizzo. Yeah, Rizzo. But, you know, you, they, these are these are the featured roles here. Now, Kermit will uh, appeal to Lucy to buy him and his friend. Oh, you've got to buy me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, with his arms flailing around. Uh, now, Lucy will only have enough money for one, but a misunderstanding with the internet fans will arise. Maybe they think she's trying to steal from them, or maybe they're just mad because she's not giving nice guys like them a chance. Um, but this will result in an action scene, an action fight scene, where Lucy and the two droids will uh, get away, and they'll get onto Lucy's makeshift shift, makeshift ship, sorry, and escape. Now, once they've lost the internet fans, much like this movie, uh, (laughs) they'll find a quiet place to stop. Now, Fozzie Bear will tell Lucy that he has a message to give to one. (laughs) It's a message to give to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Waka waka. Uh, Lucy wonders, you know, if he means old Bonnie Kenobi. (laughs) Okay, yep. Just the worst disguise name ever. But I guess, you know, if they can get away with old Ben Kenobi, they can get away with Bonnie Kenobi. Now, what if they mean Obi-Wan Kenobi? (laughs) Now, Fozzie says 
that he has a letter from the prince. Remember, it's gender flipped. Mm-hmm. And that is for her eyes only, meaning Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it, this this is going to be actual written down letter, not, not a projected letter. <laughs> Prince Lee is his name. Oh, it should have been Prince Leo. <laughs> that would have been better. <laughs> Prince Leo. Now it's th- spelt like Leo, but it's pronounced Leo. <laughs> now they go traveling to a cave on the outskirts of town or the outskirts of this planet uh, where we see a little bit more of sort of the... Because we've seen the trash all, all over the place, so we get to see actual like Earth for the first time. And they will meet Obi-Wan Kenobi, played by Aquafina. Okay. Doing her, her black sun, is she? <laughs> We'll see. I mean, she'll just be Aquafina. Now, in my movie, because this is a dark movie, remember, Obi-Wan was a Sith Lord. Oh, interesting. He's living in exile because he's he had- like one of those Nazis who escaped after yeah, World War II. Yeah. Well, she had a change of heart, right? So she fleed and left exile. So she's right. come to the good side. Because uh, this is a gritty movie, after all. We need some redemption, some dark, dark pasts, right? Uh, Fozzie Bear will read the letter out loud, but uh, will be like Maddie D and. <laughs> Misread it, you know, <laughs> and struggle through reading it like like I do on air. Apparently, Hispaniola. <laughs> uh, the contents of the letter will be that the prince needs to be rescued. Obi Wan will also introduce Lucy to the ways of the Force and say that she knew her. Hold on a second, father. On. Yes, uh, a, a fuzzy bear and Kermit the Frog just appearing like as themselves from the Muppets, or are they dressed up like R two D two? No, they're appearing as themselves. Okay. So yes. it's real suspension of disbelief here. Like, yeah. we're just there to, we're just presuming that, you know, these Muppets are robots. Yeah. And not a frog and a, and a bear. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. It's it's a new world. It's a reboot. Okay. I can do what I want. Okay. All right. So, Obi-Wan- waiting for Doofy to turn up in the plot. <laughs> I didn't include him, unfortunately. Um, all right. So, introduce him to the ways of the Force and say that she knew her father. Yes, I've just gendered Darth Vader. Uh, she knew her father really well. And he was a force user as well. Now, they won't go into that relationship too much because it might end up differently in future sequels. Mm. But, uh, you know, this this whole backstory could be different. You know, it could yeah, play out completely true. differently from it because it could just be from a different point of view. Of from course. a different point of view. <laughs> we might wreck on it later. But anyway, doesn't all matter. Um, so, they'll go to one of the towns in this planet with, and here we'll enter a dingy bar. Of course. Now, Muppets are playing the Muppet Show theme here. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And the gang will find Han Solo, who will be playing- Wait, wait. Please tell me it's the band from the Muppets playing the the theme music. Yeah, why not? With like Animal and- No, uh, he comes in later, so it can't be Animal. What was the name of the- It was like Dr- I can't remember his name. It was Dr. Something. The guy with the glasses? The Muppet with the glasses? No, he, he's like got a big smile and plays the saxophone. Yes, yes. I well, can't, I can't remember, remember the, the character's name. Sorry, everybody. That's all right. So, Han Solo is going to be played by Elizabeth Moss because, you know, she's great in Why everything. Why not? She's great in everything. Let's cast her. And she's going to be having a dispute with, funnily enough, the Muppet Animal <laughs> and definitely shoots it first. Some animals going to be Greedo in this case. Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. Hey, there you go. the name of the band. I knew it was something. Because I said, didn't I say he was the one with the teeth? Yes. And he has those big teeth. And does he have a gold tooth as well? Yeah, that's right. That's it. That's it. Well, maybe Animal's taking a break from his set to 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 be shot. Now, they'll have a conversation with Han about using her ship to sneak upon the Empire's, Empire's ship. Now, naturally, she'll be apprehensive. Han leaves the bar and tells her best friend, Chewie, played by... Miss Piggy. <laughs> oh, dear. That those guys are crazy. Now, Miss Piggy will agree, but says <laughs> that says that she says that protocol droid, though, is kind of cute. Hi-ya! <laughs> they, I hope they get into a fight. She does that. <laughs> when they leave, they meet up with Jabba the Hutt's 
Huts, oh, okay. played by Waldorf and, Maddie and Stanler. Statler, yeah. Waldorf and Statler. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Now, they'll completely roast Han and tell her that they uh, still need the money or else. Mm-hmm. Han will realise that she really needs to take the job from Lucy and Obi. And before telling the Jabbas that they're beautiful and they're kings, because we're not fat shaming anybody here, you know, it's mm-hmm. important, yep. you know, that she'll agree to do this job and take her leave. Now, Han and Chewie will run to where the heroes are staying and accept the mission. Now, meanwhile, on the bad guy's ship, Prince Lee, played by Pete Davison, okay. will be in a holding cell. Now, Grand Moff Tarkin, played by... Now, Grand Moff Tarkin has like a really serious... I liked your casting, by the way. Yep. But Grand Moff Tarkin has a real serious presence, right? He's very stoic, right? Yep. Everyone else can be crazy and wacky and fun, but you do need somebody who brings the energy down. So for this, I've cast Vin Diesel, the most serious man <laughs> okay. in Hollywood. Um, and he will appear... There might be a lot of families on Alderaan. <laughs> he will ask... Prince Lee, where the rebel base is. And Prince Lee will say, uh, I don't know, man. Now, Tarkin will say that the that his lord is coming down and he will advise him to comply with him or else things will get messy. Mm. You know, if you think I'm bad, if you think I'm bad, you should <laughs> see my lord. Dramatic music plays. It's going to be Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Dramatic music plays as enters Darth Vader. Now, since Darth Vader is technically somewhat robotic, I have cast a Muppet in this role too. Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson. No. I was the, all excited. The Muppet that will be playing Darth Vader will be the Swedish chef. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so, he's got, so he's got real human hands that he can use to wield a lightsaber. Absolutely. The rest of it. Absolutely. So he's not even dressed as Darth Vader. It's just the Swedish chef walking yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> Now, okay, I'm starting to think that you're not taking this particularly seriously. This is a dark and gritty remake, Kieran. Okay. I'm taking this very seriously. Now, Vader will ask Lee where the base is. Of course, Lee won't understand him because he'll be like, <laughs> so Tarkin will have to translate. Maybe someone else will have to translate Vin Diesel because he'll mumble all the time. Now, Lee will say he doesn't know. He's adamant with this. And Vader will introduce the concept of the Death Star and mm. will direct the Death Star to Lee's home planet, Staten Island. Okay, because that's where Pete Davidson's from, right? That's right, that's right. And, uh, you know, of course, Lee refuses to comply and they blow up Staten Island. Oh, no. Sad scene, sad scene. The planet Staten Island. Okay. Right. There'll also be a scene where where Vader will speak to his master, the Emperor, who will be played by Meryl Streep, who will urge Vader to find this rebel base, just to introduce the concept. Okay. Got to get the Streep in. So the heroes will finally arrive in their spaceship to the space station to the bad guy's ship. And managed to, st- and I'm sort of rushing here, managed to steal the plans to the Death Star. Now Han and Lucy will save Lee whilst disguised as dark and gritty versions of the Stormtroopers. And they're not white, they're in black as well. There you go. Lee will ask him, aren't they a little bit short to play, to be part of the Empire? After all, the Empire does they have-, have strict height regulations yeah. unless it comes to Muppets. They, they only have room for, they don't have any room for under six foot kings, you know? This doesn't really matter because, you know, everybody's shorter than Pete Davison. So, anyway, they managed to save him. Obi-Wan and Vader will have a dramatic fight scene with over-the-top Zimmer music, but... Wait, uh, Hans Zimmer's doing the soundtrack? Oh, yeah, yeah, Hans Hans Zimmer is. Maybe at least for some of it, not all of it, you know? Now, just as Obi-Wan thinks she is one, Vader, (laughs) played by the Swedish chef, which is an amusing (laughs) thought to me, sticks her with his lightsaber, Aquafina (laughs) wails in a dramatic death scene. Wales in black scent <laughs> and dice. <laughs> we kill her off. And they all manage, all the, like, the rest of the good guys manage to escape. 
Now, they meet at the Rebel she base. disappears from Twitter. Yes, she gets cancelled from Twitter. Now, they meet at the Rebel base, uh, I guess because Lee knows where it is. That makes sense. Uh, we're going to have Admiral Akbar here, played by Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, explaining the plan, <laughs> okay. which is to destroy the Death Star. Ooh, beaker. <laughs> and they'll all fly out. Now, we're going to have the whole scene where we're going to have, you know, the red, red team standing by. Blue team standing by. Exactly, exactly. And this will be done with the following. We're going to have Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Doofy, uh, Anadia Mas, both Tessa Thompson and Emma Thompson, John Goodman, Kieran and Maddie D, who will both die. Yay. There we are. I didn't work us into my plot. There was only like five <laughs> characters in my whole movie, so there was no room for us. There is an action-packed dogfight scene with TIE fighters trying to take down- I hope when you say dogfight, I'm picturing Rolf, you know, the piano-playing dog from the Muppets fighting Who was with the- almost my Chewy. Oh, that would have been great. It would have been good, but I was like, I need to fit Miss Piggy in here. Yeah. So, no, there's, like, TIE fighters shooting. So, the ships are coming in trying to, you know, attack the Death Star. There's TIE fighters trying to kill the the good guys from their ships. And there's also stormtroopers on the ground trying to shoot up at them, you know, from the ground but with these turrets, right? Imagine that. Or yeah. even with just handheld guns because they're just like, why not? Why not? Why not? Han, she was a scoundrel, right? So, she left earlier, decided not to take part because she was already paid. But in a Gandalf in Rohan-style moment, we'll re- it'll be revealed that she'll lead a group of other rebels on space horses to take down the stormtroopers on foot. Maybe I did borrow that from another movie. Yeah, you can't really do that. Nah. All right, I'll let you get away with it. Okay, you'll let me get away with this. Will you let me get away with this? Because the Emperor, who's Meryl Streep, will also use lightning to take down the ships oh, from no. the sky. No, I'm not accepting No that. CGI will be required because I believe Meryl Streep can do that in real life. Okay, fair enough. Lucy and Fozzie Bear will throw buckets. Because you know how R2-D2's in the back of the ship? Yeah. So that's where Fozzie Bear will be stationed. It's the wingman. So so Fozzie Bear will throw barbs, you know, at the droids. Ah! Or at the bad guys, yes. And uh, and Lucy manages to use the force finally to man- to track down the re- weak point. To, track- well, to use- track down the weak point. To track down the weak point. Shut yeah. down the whole Death Star. Vader, who's a Swedish chef, will visit her. We'll visit his master, the Emperor. I like how confused you're getting with the genders. <laughs> this is bad when you switch it over, right? Because they're such a kind of characters, you just automatically go into it. Yeah. So, Vader will visit, uh, you know, his master, the Emperor, and tells her that his feelings were confirmed, that Lucy is, in fact, his lost daughter. Mm. I don't know, work it out. A, a Muppet has a, has a human child. <laughs> Uh, but it's the Swedish chef, so, so it'll, it'll just be herder, 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 herder. My daughter. The Emperor will dismiss Vader and turn to her master. Oh, now, my God. Her, yes, it keeps getting bigger. Now, her master will tell her, don't worry. In the second movie, we so win. We so, oh, no. We so need to recruit this little girl, Annie. As in little orphan Annie? <laughs> As in the little girl of Annie. Okay, wait. So, Anakin and Darth Vader are two separate people in your movie? No, no, no. No, this little girl, Annie. Little orphan Annie? What are we talking about here? I'm so confused. <laughs> Sorry. I, I should rework this, right? Oh, he just says, oh, we need to get this little girl, meaning Lucy, as in Annie's little girl. Okay, all right. Why didn't you just say that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I got so wrapped up because the reveal is it is the Dark Jedi will uncloak and it is revealed that it will be Darth Jar Jar. Binks, again, you're using pre-existing stuff from the universe. And. Okay, there you go. Well, you know, I can use a little bit here and there. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. What you should have had it is like Darth Jar Jar Binks has an even bigger master. So there's like a fourth <laughs> mastermind and that's just Rose Tico. Uh, yes! <laughs> that's that you, would be amazing! you did that same thing in your other plot as well. Yes. There you I, go, that's your plot. It is always my intention to try to create the Darth Jar Jar Cannon. twist. 
Yeah. Which One day never do. Disney will catch on and do it. Because they're never going to have Gungans in another Star Wars no. movie again, you realise. That's something they're never going to return to in no. a million years. No. And if they do do it, we're, well, bully to them. But yeah, there you go. So that was our two Star Wars reboot plots. Two very different plots. Absolutely. But, uh, but very we, different plots. We both went in a dark and gritty direction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you had Muppets in your dark and gritty movie. <laughs> I had uh, David Lynch and Torture. <laughs> so, dear listeners, who do you think had the better idea for a plot? Or do you have your own idea for a Star Wars reboot? How would you scrap the entire franchise and start fresh? What would you do? I'm really curious as to what people's ideas are. So, if you have any ideas or if you just want to let us know whose plot you prefer, you can send us an email at potentialspoilerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can just simply leave us a comment on this episode's page on our Podbean site. There we go. I am certainly, if I wasn't feeling Star Wars fatigue before, I'm certainly feeling it now. Oh, no. After that, those two journeys we went on. So, yeah. I'm going to have to take a break until uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi comes out. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm going to be, I don't want to be the one person in the world not watching that show when it comes out. And before we wrap it up for another week, let's discuss what we're going to be talking about next week. It's that time again. We're doing another installment of actual spoilers. This is what I think it is. I'm very excited. Where we're going back and covering a movie that we've explored in the past and seeing how close we got to predicting its actual plot. And it's finally time. We're returning to the superhero well. Oh my God, I'm so excited for this. Where we're going back and looking at a movie that uh, I think is very divisive in this room. I suppose we'll find out yes, next it week. Is. Because we're going back and looking at how well we did with predicting Wonder Woman 1984. Now, that is actually a movie we teamed up to predict together, I believe. Yes, it was. So, one of us is going to go away and look at everything we got right. And the other one is going to go away and look at everything we got wrong. And we're going to converge and find out, you know, were we on the right track? Or were we kind of far away from what actually happened? And I have a feeling we're going to talk about our feelings about that movie. Of course. Because you and I have very different experiences with that movie. Oh, absolutely. It'll all be laid out next week. We've actually already covered it a little little bit on our best and worst of 2021 <laughs> episode but we'll be able to explore it in more depth this time around so yeah tune in for that and until then may the force be with you Twisted and evil. I am not an animal. I am a human being. You cannot escape your destiny. You cannot escape your destiny. You cannot escape your destiny. The Emperor will show you the true nature of the Force. <laughs> Is filled with secrets. Where he is from, the Minox sing a pretty song, and there is always music in the air. Oh, it is I, the princess! Oh. Princess? Yes, yes, I have just escaped from an evil fiend who held me prisoner. Oh. <laughs> well, the evil fiend must feed his prisoners well. Well, uh, what I mean is it looks like you've put on... Uh... <laughs> Look, Skywalker, go along with this or I'll cut you in half. <laughs> look, it's the princess. <laughs> Doesn't look like the princess to me. Watch it, hardware.